You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Welcome to episode 55 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. Today we are joined by Red Sox staff assistant and replay coordinator, Mike Brenly. That interview is coming up soon. Joey, I knew, first off, how you doing, Joey? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking, dude. I knew, you know, I'm trying to compare this to something, but it's mm-hmm. like growing up, I had many a time where I'd kind of guess the answer to something like I wasn't great in school. I was pretty bad actually. And it was like, eh, I mm-hmm. think this is the answer. Eh, this seems like it's right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I bet he's not the bullpen catcher anymore, but he mm-hmm. didn't let me know that, you know, I was, I, I was just kind of maybe still, but I was like, I bet he isn't. I just had a gut feeling that he isn't mm-hmm. our boy. Mike Brenly is now the replay coordinator. That is a big part of his day to day. He does a little yeah. bit of everything. And I know we talk about that, but I'm kind of pumped he's the replay coordinator because I was super curious of like how that goes, and he gave us a lot of good insight on it. Yeah, and it's cool to get a face behind that because everybody's aware that there's a guy doing it. Mm. It's nice to hear from the guy and see that he's doing it. He, I like that he didn't correct you when you when you called him the bullpen catcher. I know. He's, like, he's a cool guy. We'll get well, to it. Well, it was a huge part of his existence. I mean, he mm-hmm. was – Brenly joined the team in 2015 as the bullpen catcher. So mm-hmm. he was doing that all the way up through last year. So mm-hmm. that was whatever, seven seasons uh, of mm-hmm. doing that. So uh, we obviously dive into that and, you know, the relationships he's made with these players over the years, who he was closest with and any cool stories along the way. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun interview. Brentley's great. He's one of the nicest dudes at the park. They'll always say hi. And, you know, as the season's gone on, he's like, I think we're going to need some rally cups, man. I, I don't know. This is <laughs> this has been tough, but He's uh, a really good mm-hmm. dude, and the Sox are are lucky to have him. And I was about to mention something, but uh, that would have been a giveaway for the interview, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ruin. Don't spoil it, dude. People haven't heard it yet of the interview. Um, so yeah, without further ado, after this break, we are joined by the one and only Mike Brennan.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty. We are joined by a very special guest today. We got Mike Brenly on the podcast, the Red Sox bullpen catcher. That, But that's just the tip of the iceberg, as I've, I've come to notice when we're at the ballpark all the time. First off, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Fun one last night. That was uh, a little stressful there, but we wouldn't want it anyway. But yeah, doing well. Yeah, that was that seemed like it was the plan. Just get down eight to three in the eighth inning and then score six in the last two. I think that's what Cora probably said. It was a bold strategy, but um, you know it paid off for us. But no, that was fun, especially Ref getting that big hit. You know, he, he's grinded. He's had a you know up and down kind of here and there career, but he's uh, kind of found a little home with us. So that was cool to see him get that big moment. Yeah, he's been awesome. That has been great to see. Uh, first things first here, I do want to know just what a typical day is for you at uh, at Fenway. Because when I, when Joey and I have been there, we're, you know, we're observing the field. We're watching the guys and just seeing what the what the structure is, you know, who's hitting when, who's fielding when. You're doing a little bit of everything. You kind of seem like a field general out there. So what's a normal day like for you? Yeah, you know, it's just kind of um, I got moved out of the bullpen, actually. I do the replay and stuff now. Um, there it is. I knew it. Also uh, kind of work closely with Veritech on the daily kind of game planning and working with the catchers and that kind of stuff. So typical day, kind of get there, you know, noon, 1230-ish, try and get some kind of workout in, get moving a little bit. Um, and then we first day of a series, we'll have crazy amounts of meetings. We'll meet with the staff and kind of go over the other team. Then we'll meet with the pitchers, then we'll meet with the hitters, and then um, you guys see the BP and the ground balls and all that. So, you know, if they need me to throw BP, I'll throw BP, um, kind of whatever they need me to do, just kind of be around to help. Um, and then closer to game time, kind of get ready and get in the video room and make sure everything's ready and, and set up in there for the replay and all that good stuff and and help out in, inside however I can, get everything ready. Um you always think you have so much time before the game. And then for some reason, like the last half hour, there's a roster move or the iPads won't load or all this stuff happens and it's just sheer panic. But, um, and then once the game starts, just kind of 
hang out in the video room and once the phone rings, hopefully make a good challenge and help us win a ball game. So when did that transition happen? Because I got to tell you, Mike, and this, I, you're a man of many hats. So even with saying, oh, Red Sox ball picked, I'm like, I bet that's not accurate anymore. I bet that's not the official title. When did the title change and what is the official title? The title change uh, this offseason. I, I had a conversation okay. with Eddie Romero and, um, you know, I, I took over in the replay in 2020, um, you know, after the whole investigation and all that stuff, they moved me in there. Um, and I was still the bullpen catcher, um, at that point as title. Um, so this, this off season, they made me this, the staff assistant replay coordinator. So, um, that's the official title. Um, but yeah, that happened this off season. So is that any time there's a challenge to be had? Is that going through you? Only if we win it. If we lose it, it's not my fault. If, <laughs> if it gets overturned or it goes in our favor, yes, I'll take the credit. But no, it's um, yes, that, that's my job. So um, it's it's very stressful at times, but it, it's also very fun because, you know, in the bullpen, you you might go a game. You don't really do much. You know, if the starter goes out there and goes seven or eight and you have one reliever, you warm up a guy and then you shower and go home for the night. But being in there in the replay room, you feel like you do have a little bit of, of something to help the team with or or help the guys get a big win. So it is a little more stressful, but it's definitely more fun. I was going to say the stress level has to be pretty high. I mean, we're we're on our couch like, oh, no, don't replay that. Like, what, what are you doing, Corey? You got to replay that. Like, we think we actually know what we're doing based off these super slow-mo replays. How quick is the turnaround for what you're seeing? Because I know you have 30 seconds, right, to actually make that decision. 20 seconds. We 20. did have 30 and they bumped it down to 20. What's up with um, that? I don't know. And it was my first year they did it too. Oh, so I was, no. I was talking to our old guy uh, who I still stay in touch with. And he's like, yeah, sorry, your first year, you get 20 less seconds. So go get them. But oh, it's, man. um, it's, it's quick. I mean, as you can imagine, it's, it's like a, like a control center in there. I got every camera, um, you can zoom in and, and see guys nose hairs if you want, like you can, you can get in there on anything, but you know, there's a lot of challenges that I tell them, yeah, let's challenge or this or that. And we don't get it. And at first I really kind of took it personal, like, oh man, you really, you missed that one. Like, gosh, dang it. But you know, you kind of come to learn over time. The call on the field is so important. And yeah. I've, I wish over time that they would kind of go away from that and just get the call right. You know, like go with whatever the right call is, no matter what the call in the field is. But learning that that is the most important thing to go off of is the call in the field has really helped me kind of realize. And also the time of game, you know, you don't want to use it in the second inning and possibly lose it. And then something comes up in the later innings. And now we've already burned it on, you know, a two out bang, bang play at first with nobody on base. So you just, kind of learning the flow of the game and things like that. But that just comes with time. Yeah. I, I always, you know, there's always times where you still hear on the broadcast, like you got to remember it needs to be conclusive. We know I have known for 20 years that it needs to be conclusive for them to overturn it. I wish we could just get rid of that line. But anyway, uh, just to throw it back a little bit, you were with the Portland Sea Dogs in 2014 and 2015. I'm curious what that transition was like from playing in the minors to then taking that Red Sox position. What was that internal conversation like and how did that go? 
It was um, it was a little strange, but you know, I, I was blessed enough to grow up in in clubhouses with my dad coaching and playing and managing. So you know, I really wasn't starstruck by by David or or Petey or any of those guys because when I first took this job, I mean, that roster was guys. You know, it wasn't a lot of minor league kids filling in. It was you know some of the best yeah. in the game at the time you know Napoli and Hanley and Pablo and all those guys like that was a big time roster to step into but no it was um it was a great transition you know I can't thank Tori Lavello enough I can't thank John Farrell enough I can't thank Dana Lavangi enough like they really just allowed me to come in and they knew that I I wanted to hopefully transition into it into a bigger role one day um uh, you know, there's some bullpen catchers that's absolutely fine with that's kind of what they want to do. And that's great. That's absolutely perfect. But for me, I always kind of wanted to jump into the coaching or more of the scouting or stuff like that. So they allowed me to sit in on meetings. They allowed me to talk to players. And then, you know, when Veritech, when I first got here, he was just kind of like a special assistant, you know, kind of whenever he wanted to be around, they were more than happy to have him around. And then when he came in in 2020 and really was a part of the staff, he really gave me a voice. He really kind of stepped outside of himself and said, Hey, if you got stuff to say, you need to say it. He really allowed me to be kind of his assistant and really help him out. But it was a, it was a good transition, you know, and on the other side of that coin, as some of those older guys started to leave, the younger kids came up, you know, Mookie yeah. and Swihart and those guys I was teammates in Portland with. So we were teammates one day and now I'm on the staff the other. So it was kind of an odd transition. You want to be friends and friendly with them, but you also need to realize, okay, I'm on this side of the ball now. Um, mm. And not really, I need Tori and John and those guys to trust. If I hear them talking about someone struggling or someone getting traded or, or a roster move that I'm not going to run and tell the players right away, I need to gain that trust. So just getting that trust with those guys and them allowing me to grow was um, I'll never be able to thank them enough. So, so where's the, where's the next step then? Cause I personally would say like bullpen catching is like one of the coolest jobs out there. Just the, the amount of, of work that you're doing, who you're working with. Uh, I would say for me, that's where my motivation would end. I'd be like, here, we're good. I'm going to stop right here. This is the end of the line. Uh, but for you, that's obviously not the case. You saw it as a stepping stone and you're still going up in a perfect world. Are we looking at Mike Brenly manager? You know, I, I obviously I think when you get into like the staff kind of role like this, I think that's deep down kind of everyone's ambition, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and but a lot comes with that. I mean, you see with AC, you know, and a lot of times a lot of it is out of your hands and it, it's a very hard position to have. But for me, I would just kind of like to step, just keep growing, continue to learn. And, you know, I have probably one of the best catching mentors in all of major league baseball with Jason Veritek. I mean, it's unbelievable. The amount of information that this guy knows he's forgotten more baseball than I've seen. I mean, and, and he's, his recall is like an elephant, his memory. He he'll remember an at bat in his fourth season in March, you know, and, and down to the pitch. And so just learning from him, continue to grow, continue to gain trust. Um, and hopefully just, you know, whatever that next step would be to, to just continue to help these guys and get these guys better and get us back, you know, to win a world series again. So you've been uh, pretty close with a lot of the players, obviously, and the coaching staff as well, but over the years, who would you say have been like your top guys? Like whether it's, I, I guess I'm really talking players on the team. 
because of course you have a close bond with them uh, doing the bullpen catching and just you're tossing BP. You're, you're around these guys all the time. Who would you say you've been closest with over the last, what, seven, eight seasons now? Um, you, like you said, mostly a lot of the pitchers, you know, just because yeah. of what I was doing, you know, I was stuck in that little bullpen for four to five hours a night with some of those relievers. So you get to know each other pretty quick. Um, you know, and we've had some incredible guys here, some incredible personalities to work with, you know, David price to me sticks out. I, I know there's a lot of people in Boston that have a weird taste about DP, but you know, to me, he, him and I hit it off right away. We had some mutual friends that, that went to Vanderbilt with him. Um, so him and I just kind of hit it off and starting pitchers, you know, they're very much in their routine and, um, they don't, they kind of do things when they want to do it. So if he wanted to go out and play catch, if he wanted to throw his side early, if he wanted to do whatever, you know, him and I would just kind of go do that on the current roster of Aldi is just, I mean, one of the best human beings I think I've ever met. He's got incredible talent on the field, but he's an even better human being off the field. Um, the things that he's done for me and my family and just, you know, been there for us through everything has been incredible. Um, and then obviously taking a step back when I first took the job, just some of my old teammates, Mookie, you know, Blake, Travis Shaw, Devin Marrero, all those guys that I kind of came up with. It was cool to kind of see them get their chance. Uh, Plowicki right now, uh, still getting to know Reese McGuire a little bit, but you know what we've seen of him, he's an incredible personality too. Connor Wong. I love that. I love that kid. I, I think he's got a bright, bright future. Um, you know, I just think once he gets his feet wet and once he kind of gets some consistent playing time, I think we're really going to see something special. One thing on, on David price real quick, I was never a huge price guy. And I know a lot of people were like that. What is it that we didn't see that was more apparent to you guys, uh, behind the scenes? And I, I don't want to say I hated David price, but there were times where he, I think he could rub the, the fan base the wrong way. Uh, what, what exactly, were you guys seeing? Cause I'm sure you were seeing a lot more than we were. He seemed to be, you know, pretty private and, and a different person around, around the players. I think you nailed it when you said private, he he's yeah. very much, if you're within his circle, if you're within that trust tree, he, he'll go to bat for you. He, he, you know, he'll do anything to protect you and help you. And he is one of the most incredible teammates you'll ever see. I mean, he's on the top step rooting for everybody. He's, he's grinding with the hitters. He's trying to figure out how to help them. Um, you know, but I think he was reserved, you know, and he was a little reserved with the media as well. And that's just kind of his personality. But once you kind of get in there and those doors are shut and it's just us, he was an incredible human being. Um, you know, and to go back to your question, I left Chris sale off that list. I mean, Mm. this guy is, I know he's had a rough run here and just some really weird things happened to him. But I mean, all you got to do is look at the video of the world series game when he's getting in the guys and then us go on that rally. And he is just, once again, one of the best teammates I think that you could ever have. And he is, he's on the top step every night rooting for you, whether he did good or not, he he's there to root the team on. So for those who don't know, your dad is Bob Brenly. Managed the D-backs when they took down the Yankees in 01. Uh, First of all, how old were you then in 01? I was a freshman in high school. Okay, so I was going to ask what you remember from that year. I would imagine your memory is probably pretty good. You probably remember most of it. (laughs) I remember nothing. I was a freshman in high school. Just a few things here and there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what do you remember from that time? (laughs) What what are your some memories stand out, I guess? What are are some of the biggest? Yeah. 
that World Series alone was like a lifetime of baseball. I mean, what a mm. roller coaster ride and not only on the field, but what the country was going through and, mm. and what had just happened in September. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I think the only people that were cheering for the Diamondbacks were Arizona Diamondbacks fans and Red Sox Nation. Like those were the only people in our corner. I think everyone, whether you love the Yankees or you hated the Yankees, you just had a soft spot for them that year, just because of what happened in that city and what they went through and everything that went along with it. But I mean, just that whole thing, getting to experience it with your dad and your family and, and was just something I will never, never forget. And, um, when we went to New York, you know, they they came to I think I told you this, Steve, the last time we spoke, they came to the Dimebacks and said, hey, we're going to take a van down to Ground Zero. Yep. If you want to come, you're more than welcome. No pressure. Um, so my parents left it up to me. They said, hey, you might see some stuff that might jar some some stuff in your mind. And mm. but we're going to leave it up to you. And I said, I have to go. You know, this is something that is history in our country. As bad as it was and as tragic as it was, I had to go. And seeing the looks in the faces of those firefighters and first responders and police officers to actually smile when the visiting team showed up, Randy Johnson and some of those guys, just to get a couple moments of relief from digging and looking and digging and looking I mean, it was still burning. I, I think we went there a month after and it was burning and, and it, you know, the smell obviously will never, I'll never forget that. But, you know, obviously that is something I'll never forget as well. But those games in New York, I've never heard a five hour flight so quiet. After yeah. game five, when we lost all three of those games, it you could hear a pin drop on that plane. And usually after like an hour or so after a loss, you get on the plane you, you decompress, you think about it, you kind of, you move on to the next day. I mean, that was five hours back to Arizona, dead quiet, but then to come out at home in game six and throw 18 up on Pettit, you know, and then game seven is, you know, you hear Millar say it all the time in the documentary about 04, anything can happen in a game seven, you know, yeah. a ball could hit the base, a ball takes a bad hop, ball gets in the sun. So just game seven, the atmosphere, um, and I think it was game seven. It might've been game one or two. They had a stealth bomber fly over at the time bank one ballpark. And just the enormity of that craft flying over the ballpark was just unbelievable. And then obviously that whole inning, if you look at the length of time of the ninth inning, it probably was just a normal inning, but it seemed to take so long yeah. everything to happen, you know? And I, I'll never forget Mark Grace coming in the dugout and saying, I believe, boys, I believe. It starts with one. Then he goes up there and gets a hit. I mean, then, you know, we get the bunt. And I thought Derek Jeter shattered every bone in his leg when David DeLucci slid into him at second base. You know, Tony Womack gets a little flare. We tie the game. And then, obviously, Gonzo does what Gonzo does. And, you know, I, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. But to to find dad on the field after that was – I don't think we'll ever have a hug like that again. And, yeah. you know, I'll never forget that. And it was definitely life changing. Yeah. So you, you mentioned obviously the importance of your dad and, and of course the importance he had to that team. What have you picked up being around him in a managerial sense? Like I know, obviously it's, it's gotta be interesting where it's like, this is my baseball dad, but he's the manager of an MLB team. It's a little bit 
uh, unnormal. That's not every kid's, uh, you know, process growing up. So what did, what did you take from his strategies that, hey, maybe you might use one day if you, you know, fill that role? You know, looking back, I wish I would have dove harder into his daily. You know, I was in high school. I was, around, yeah. like you said, I was around all these big leaguers. So I want to go be with them and watch them. And I didn't really care what dad was doing, but just watching the daily grind of it, you know, and, and I see it now with AC getting to kind of rub, rub shoulders with him on a daily basis. It, I mean, it's a daily thing. You get guys coming up with stuff. This guy slept wrong his neck. He can't play. Okay. We're, we're going to need to make a roster move a week from now. So what do we need to do today to get to that point? Just the, the puzzle pieces that need to be moved and situated and okay, well, we need a 40 man spot for this guy, but if we DFA this guy, he might get picked up, but we don't want to, it's just, and it's a constant, you know, I feel like they never get a moment to just breathe and enjoy the day. Cause it's one thing after another, but you know, then you see after a big win, just the relief on their faces. And at least for a few minutes, they can enjoy a win. And then it's back to, okay, our starter tomorrow, you know, so it's just a constant, constant revolving door. But, you know, just seeing how much time goes into it too. You know, I, I remember there were times dad would get to the ballpark and sit down in matchups. And obviously in 2001, we didn't have all the data and all the stuff we have now. Yeah. You know, he'd sit down and there were a few numbers that that made sense to him and matchups and stuff. And he would write out three, four lineup cards and, and Bob Melvin, his bench coach, would come in and they'd sit down and go over it and say, OK, well, if we start this guy, then we don't have him off the bench against this reliever or this or that. And, you know, just try and piece together a lineup on a daily basis. So just the time that went into it, you know, I, like you said, with with how early we get there and the work that we do. Unfortunately, when you struggle, I think sometimes it's it's easy to forget or not see, oh, well, they just get there at five o'clock and play the game. No, I mean, these guys are there at noon in the cage, getting treatment, trying to figure it out, you know, who's healthy, who's not. So a lot goes into a game at seven o'clock that that's not <laughs> known by everybody. Constant media, too. I mean, it's it's that's Those the thing. Guys when, are we the see, worst. when we see AC. <laughs> It's always just like head nods and how you doings because it's like this guy's already getting grilled every two seconds. I don't want to add anything onto that. Yeah, it, you know, and there's certain markets too. Obviously, here in Boston, it's different, you know. And then I, I actually caught up with Tim Hires, our, our hitting coach from previous years, yesterday with the Rangers, and that's one of the first things he said to me. He said the the media difference is is probably mm. the most glaring, you know, because obviously Texas, they're kind of in a in a transition they went out and signed some guys and i think they're on the right path but you know they're not a boston market they're not a new york market they're not an la market so um you know that he said that's the biggest difference is just the amount of media that's around is that an ohio state sweatshirt oh yeah Hard io let's go all right we, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get the ball rolling here there's a big game yeah. on saturday i'm glad yeah. to see that we're playing at four so it's going to be a quick turnaround to get home and get situated and get everything the way i want it and you know i'm sure my wife's happy that i'm not home for this first one because i mean not very often you start the season with a top five matchup and, yeah. and i'm glad it i'm glad it's at the shoe i feel a little bit about that but you know that stuff and the thing about college football is you lose one game, your season's potentially over. I you know, know. Like you, lose, yeah. you yeah. lose one game, you might not make it to the playoff. And mm. that's just so different than baseball. We play 162 and, you know, you like the Braves last year, you might not get hot till mm -hmm. late August, early September, you win the whole thing. But you yeah. lose your first game of the season in college football, you might be done. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, a couple of years ago with obviously the Purdue game, that it, it just completely drops, especially when your uh, your expectations are to probably be in the ship. Yep. Um, you so you wear you know the the full getup. You still look like you could get out there. How often are you getting like mistaken for a player by uh, you know kids looking for autographs and all that stuff? Pretty daily. I mean, especially yeah. you guys know how our parking situation is. There, there's fans everywhere. You get out of your truck or, or your car, they have no idea. They j- And a lot of times, you know, guys have hats on or catchers have masks on or helmets. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of see a beard or you see this or you see that. And, you know, I've been mistaken from early on in my career when I had the, the shoulder length hair, Robbie Ross, daily, yeah, daily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I get Brazier from time to time. I've gotten Arroyo from time to time. I've gotten Story from time to time. But, you know, my response to it is, well, I'm not a player. And then you see the looks on their faces. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but I think the Red Sox Nation is unlike any other fan base where if – you could be the best player on the field or you could be the bullpen coach or whoever is if you're affiliated with the club. Yes, we love you. We want you to sign our stuff. And, you know, in most markets and most fan bases, they don't want anybody but the superstars. But th- yeah. this is a special place to to play baseball. Well, what was your first reaction? I know Stevie D was showing us the image of the guy that had your jersey up in the monster seats, the the Brenly St. Patrick's Day jersey. So, I mean, you got fans out there. Come on now. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I always kid around with everybody. Like, I'll, I'll get asked, hey, what number are you? You know, I'm 87, but I rarely wear it, mostly because when you wear a jersey or you wear something with your number or, or name, then it, 87, can I have a ball? 87, hey, hey. <laughs> and it's, so if you wear the hoodie. Your name becomes 87, yeah. Right, so you wear the hoodie or something, you're, you're just kind of that guy. But yeah. So we wear those on St. Patty's Day, and then I think they auction them off, you know, for probably Red Sox charities or something. And, you know, mine's probably the highest bid every year. Sorry, Bogey. Sorry, Devers. But it's just the way it is. But I always have a kind of running joke like, yeah, I'm number 87, but it's sold out at the team shop. You know, you can't get it. They're getting more (laughs) in. Just be patient. But yeah, I was sitting in the video room, and we have another video guy, Tyler, who's in there with me. And he actually saw it first and I, I saw it real quick. And then I was like, no, that's not right. And then I rewound on my system. I said, Hey, is that what I think it is? He said, yeah, that's definitely your Jersey. I was like, that guy got ripped off. I I don't know if like he bid on Raffi or a bogey or someone else. And that's what he got, but (laughs) that guy got ripped off or he spent about five bucks to get it. But yeah, that was kind of cool. You know, you don't see that very often, but you know, that was kind of cool. I know I'm always keeping my eye on the Red Sox auction stuff. If it's going to be something that we can give away to the listeners. Now I want my own Brenly Jersey. Now, now I'm looking for this. If they have your jerseys, I'm going to bid. So that goes to, you know, hopefully the Jimmy Funder Red Sox charity or something like that. And I think I'm just going to wear that every time. I think I'm wearing that Brenly Jersey to the game every single time. Well, That's just that. make sure to look hard in your couch cushions and under your seat of your car for your change. <laughs> and, and you'll win, you'll win the bid. Yeah, we'll say. I think you're you're selling yourself short. That was a, a clean the green St. Patrick's Day. That's nice. Those nice. are awesome. Yeah. A- anytime you know, like the city connects, or anytime you get to wear, yeah. you know, Fourth of July stuff, it, it's cool. It, it just kind of breaks up the monotony of the white or gray or blue or red. You know, it's cool, and especially with you know Major League Baseball doing everything with the breast cancer and the prostate, all that stuff mm-hmm. is so cool. And the charities that all that stuff goes to, so those are always fun days. No, absolutely. I am curious from your perspective, because you've been to a lot of ballparks in your life uh, growing up. And obviously now, 
what the biggest difference is to you being at Fenway versus other places. I know we're homers, so we're like, dude, Fenway's so much better than everywhere else. But from from on the field, from being in that, especially when you were, you know, doing bullpen stuff, like these fans are on top of you. What is it that's different about Fenway versus places you go on the road? I think the biggest, I mean, obviously the energy and the atmosphere when you play the Yankees or a big time team is just, you can feel it. like you, you can feel the energy and your heart going. And even for me knowing I have zero chance in playing in this game, but I'm ready. Like, let's go. Um, yeah. But I think the biggest difference is just, it's every night. It, it's a Tuesday night against the Royals. It, it's a Wednesday against whoever, you know, and it doesn't matter. And you know, obviously this season hasn't exactly gone the way we were all hoping for, but I mean, even last night, like against the Rangers on a Thursday night, you know, it, but they were into every pitch. And it, I think that's the biggest difference. I tell people when they ask, you know, back home in Arizona and stuff, like what's Fenley like, you just can't explain it. It's just, a, it's an energy, it's an atmosphere. They're into every pitch. They're rooting for the team and, and they take it personal. When we don't win, it, it hits hard here. And, and that's different than a lot of fan bases. Yeah. No, I mean, you can see it when, when you're at the park, it's like, oh, this is when we go home after a loss like that. Now the rest of the day is sad. That's right. basically how that goes. It's not right. like, oh, okay, game's over. No, you wear that. And it, I mean, for over the course of 162, that's so unhealthy. But I, I know you, you mentioned, you know, what's been going on with the team. We all know that this season has obviously been disappointing. Still not, not dead yet. We've created kind of an unofficial official elimination number. I think it's at seven. So there's still you guys can still go 24 and six, I believe, and and get into the playoffs, which is fine. But from your perspective, uh, what have the vibes been like around the team? I know you're you're obviously with the guys a lot. What, what's that been like this year over the course of the season? You know, obviously it's been kind of up and down. You know, kind of like we went on that great run there for a while, and, and I think everybody was like, okay, here we go. We're just going to keep climbing, and like AC, we're going to get to 500. Now we're going to get to 10 over. Now we're going to get to 20 over. And I think that's just the feeling we had. I mean, especially after last year and the guys that we brought in, you know, we brought in Trevor and we brought in some other pieces, Strom and Deekman and some of those guys that help on the back end and um, a healthy Evaldi. We were getting sale back. Like there was a good rhythm. There was a good vibe going and, you know, and then we kind of ran into it a little bit. And, and obviously those losses, they take their toll. You know, you, you try and pick yourself back up and, and look, to the next day, but it's tough. You know, those, especially those, you know, the late losses, the tough losses, the losses where you, you know, can't get the big hit or can't get the big out. Like those are tough to swallow. Um, but overall, I feel like the guys have just kind of done a good job of grinding away, just trying to keep their heads down, try and silence the noise from the outside, stay within the building, stay within each other, keep believing in each other. Um, you know, and like you said, obviously we're not mathematically eliminated and we're just hoping to win ball games, you know, and yeah. if we get to a point, unfortunately, if that time comes, then I think we need to turn our focus to ruining other teams chances, you know, <laughs> yes. like we're playing the Rays, we're playing the Jays, we're playing the Yankees, we're playing the, the best team in baseball, the Orioles all of a sudden, but, you know, so now we can maybe knock them out of a playoff spot or, or help <clears throat> someone overtake the Yankees for the division, you know, that, and that's kind of the, once you get to that point as a team where you are officially out of it, I think that should be your focus is okay. We're going to take some teams down with us now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm going to ask you a question. That's a little dumb. It's a little pedestrian. It shows that I don't work alongside baseball or in baseball with the team. Okay. We asked Mike Timlin this. I'm going to ask everybody who's ever been in a bullpen. 
what do you guys do? What what do you do during a game? Because it's you know four hours of sitting there for a lot of those guys. You got to do something. Yeah, it's it's almost like a daycare center at times. It, it's what can we do? Um, you know, and it obviously a lot of it depends on the bullpen, right? In Fenway, mm-hmm. there's nowhere to go. It, you know, some of them there's a, there's like Yankee Stadium. There's a room to go in if it's cold, if it's hot. There's a TV mm-hmm. you can watch the game. Some club, some uh, bullpens you have access to the clubhouse if guys want to go back in and do whatever and get ready for the game, but come back out. But you know, early on in the game. Um, it, it's a lot of just kind of messing around. You know, when we had Joe Kelly, we there's these poles in the bullpen wall that you could sit a Gatorade cup and we would sit there and flick seeds from the bench to the fence. And Joe Kelly made like 700 something shot. It was incredible. His accuracy with a sunflower seed, but you know, you mess around, you tell jokes, you kind of rag on each other and, you know, but then I think guys kind of get the sense, okay, he's starting to kind of get to the end of his pitch count or, okay, mm-hmm. he's starting to kind of, you know, he's kind of losing a little bit. So they'll start stretching, they'll start moving around, but you know, it just kind of, you feel time, you tell jokes, you tell stories, you, you rag on each other or, or whatever it is. And so, you know, you just try and stay locked in as much as you can, but you know, it's a long time out there. And like I yeah. said earlier, you might, you're hoping your starter goes complete game and you don't do anything that night. That That's kind of what we all want. But um, usually that's not the case, especially in the game today. You're going to probably use at least a couple relievers. So, you know, you just you want to have fun, but you want to make sure that when that thing rings, you're ready to go to work. I think we've talked about it before, but and I'm sorry to bring up a bad moment here, but I believe it was 2018. It's the hat catch. It's the hat catch. I, ah. I believe I believe you missed two home run balls in the same game. Um, and I I don't. There's not, not a big question here. I'm just curious what's going through your head when the second one drops. Is it like do I got to retire from trying to catch home runs? You know, it all started because my doppelganger Robbie Ross went on a run and caught seven or eight, something crazy in his hat. Um, So I was sitting there one night and a lot of times, you know, you'll have a first wave of bullpen guys that come out right away. And those are kind of the longer inning guys, the guys that are going to eat the innings. If the starter gets in trouble, then you get another wave or two of the later relievers, the closers, the Kimbrels and those types of guys. So I was sitting there early on the game and I think it was just two or three of us down there and, you know, the first one gets hit kind of by the mound. And I thought I kind of looked and no one was around. I said, I'm going for this. I'm, I'm going for it. <laughs> Missed it. Planked it. I was like, okay, well, I went for it. I had fun. That was a good time. Another one comes out. Like, I'm going, I'm getting this one. I'm getting this one. Here I go. And I had it lined up and I was ready. And it hit my thumb as I was holding my hat. And I didn't think anybody saw it. I just thought, okay, I missed another one. That's it. I'm, I'm hanging my hat. I'm done. No more, Robbie. That, that's your game. I get in the clubhouse and of course price that ball hit your thumb. Didn't it? I said, no, no, I just missed it. He said, I saw it hit your thumb. Don't lie to me. So I couldn't get away with it. And I mean, I had text messages. I had calls, you know, my wife's family's all from new England. So I, I disappointed them. And so, yeah, that was the end of my hat catching home run days. I mean, it's, it's the top. That's what, that's what sucks about YouTube is that if there's a video that's like done well, it's going to be the top thing that shows up when you type your name in. And so someone believe... took the time to clip it together and make it was, a YouTube. I it was, was like, MLB. That's, that's, 
That's the tough part. It was the league. The league did you dirty, Mike. It says Mike Brenly misses catching two bullpen homers in two days. I mean, I've loved this game for a long time, and they just do me like that. I mean, gosh almighty. It's what, well, yeah, to your point, it's one thing if it's like, you know, Red Sox fan forever. Like, yeah. it's MLB. MLB. That. The like, league. Check I this dude out. Yeah, check this <laughs> guy. Yeah, it's like, I've been doing great work for you guys for years. Like, Bury sorry. me. Oh, man. That's yeah. funny. But you're talking about DP, man. He, he does sound like he was like one of the um, kind of like, I don't know how to say it. One of the the guys with the most energy on the team, kind of one of the, the central guys. Who is that now? Like, who's the loudest guy on that team flight? Who's the guy who really brings the energy? And why is it Kevin Plawecki? You know, it, I love KP. He, you know, and obviously, mm-hmm. what I do with the catchers, like I'm around him every day. And, and it before we traded Vasky, and it was kind of you know Vasky and Plawecki. Now it's Vas, or sorry, it, now it's KP and Reese. It's an interesting dynamic being the, the second catcher, right? Like you might play once or twice a week, but his energy every day is just incredible. Whether he's over 30 at the plate, whether he's the bet, it doesn't matter. He he's the same guy every day. He brings the energy, but I think Christian Arroyo takes the trophy this year. He he's really, and especially, I mean, it's easy to be that guy when you're raking. You know, it's tough to be that guy when you're struggling or you're injured or or whatever, but he brings the energy every day. He, he's he got routines. He's got skits. You know, he's always behind guys. So he's definitely the guy this year, him and KP both. Uh, oddly enough, you would probably never think of, but Rich Hill is a huge voice, just fun voice in that clubhouse. You know, he's been around the block twice everywhere, but you know, he's just, he's a great guy to be around. He's a great teammate. He's always picking guys up. He's always, you know, helping guys out with things. But, you know, I, I would say Yo-Yo is probably the guy this year that kind of keeps everything light and fun. Um, so probably Yo-Yo or KP. Yo-Yo. I don't know if we knew that, that Arroyo's nickname is Yo-Yo. Yeah. <laughs> was, for a second, I'm like, is there a guy named Yo-Yo that I just don't know about? Yeah, know, like, Yo- Yo-Yo is his nickname. Okay. All right. I'm calling him Yo-Yo now. He's going to be like, nope, nope, you can't do that. You I was going like, to say, I hope he doesn't not like that nickname because it might be out there now. <laughs> that's a great nickname. Okay. No, I'm. that's that's awesome. He's now Yo-Yo. Uh, one thing I had asked a few uh, folks involved with the team in the last year or so, just because I Why wanted to get it. Why are you shaking your head already? Because I know what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm just, I, I think I know the answer, but rally cups you know rally cups were a huge part of that that run for a lot of a lot of us last year do you think that made any difference in what was going on in the field i am in the belief that if you think it is then do it i I mean i'm the kind of guy that if you put your right sock on first and we win that right sock's going on first until it doesn't work that's always been my mentality you know if something's working for you you think it's working roll with it so i was all in on the reese's i was all in on it so um, then you got the outfit going, you, you were totally bought in. So, so that was awesome to see. It was in it other was words, that, sure. If you believe it, man. Yeah, no, that, no, that was a very polite way of saying, Hey, if you're, you're crazy. <laughs> ass thinks it's yeah. something then fine. Go for I'm it. I'm the but, same way though. I'm the same way. Yeah. You kind of, you have to write it. See, that's the thing. I thought it was going to be like just a game or two and it ended up being like 10 games. I'm like, God, this is getting a little bit out of hand, but uh, especially being there with the credential. I think that, that was the tough part. We're doing on-field stuff, talking with you guys before the game. And I'm like, all right, I got to go dress up as a Reese's. This is absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, yeah, look, t- look, 
you probably seen a lot of superstitious guys, right? It, that over the years. Yeah, look at the City Connect jerseys. We we kept winning. We kept winning them. I mean, I had yeah. my wife calling me. There were parents at my daughter's school saying, "Why do they wear yellow every single night?" <laughs> I said, "Hey, until we kind of fall off here, we're going yellow. Like we're the yellow socks now." And yeah. you know, like I said earlier, that those it's just fun to wear something different and do something different. But if you believe in it, it's working for you. You ride it out until it doesn't. But superstition stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like guys have a ton of stuff. You don't might not see it all. Um, you know, but I, I think guys, they'll eat certain stuff at a certain time they'll get to the cage at a certain time. They'll do things at a certain time. They, you know, if there's a strength coach that stretches them or, or whatever it is, like they, they like their program. We're very much creatures of habit in baseball. Um, and if it works, especially they're going to roll with it. And, and that's just the way it is. And there's some guys that are really big on it and other guys don't, don't care. So I think it just is guy to guy. Um, and I think a lot of it is just kind of their routine now. It's just second nature. They don't even think about it. Speaking of routine, and this is kind of off the top here, but you guys seem to have it down to a science with BP and everything. It seems so minute by minute. Does it? Do you start the season as like, all right, these are the literal minutes that you're taking batting practice, or do you just get used to the structure? A lot of it is set out by like the ballpark and the game time. Um, you have 45 minutes or an hour on the field, whatever it is, and then the other team. So the home team hits first then the visiting team and then you know the grounds crew gets a field ready and, and all that stuff so when we're at home um it's it's a little easier just because we hit first so guys have more time to get in the get in the clubhouse get showered eat dinner whatever they want to do but yeah i mean it is, is down to a science the hitting coaches go and they ask guys you know and especially once you get into the grind of the season some guys might not hit on the field every day they might yeah. just hit down in the cage and, and try and stay out of the the hot but you know, they get it down to a science. They got groups, they got times, they got, you know, how many rounds we're going to take, how much time we have for ground balls. So it, it, but it doesn't just come together. It's well thought out. Once again, it takes a while to figure out, but yeah, those guys grind every day to make sure that we're, we're off the field when we need to be. And how often are you pitching BP? Cause I know Joey and I saw that and we, we feel the pressure that's gotta be something that's kind of underrated is like, I got to throw this ball right exactly where it should be the right speed, all of that. And consistently over and over again. Yeah. I, I throw whenever they need me to, we have a few okay. guys that are our, our daily arms. Um, but every now and then we want to give them a break. You know, we don't want to their arms to fall off. So there's a few other relievers as you could call us that'll come mm -hmm. in and give them a break. But usually once or twice a week, I'll, I'll help out and throw a group. Um, the first time I threw was in Oakland. Um, I had been there a week, I think, and we had early BP. So the hitting coach comes up to me and says, Hey, we, we're going to see if you can throw, you know, you're here now, you're a staff member. Let's see if you can throw BP. I thought, Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> it was, I mean, Hanley, Pablo, all these guys. And I was just in Portland as a player a week ago. And so I throw, I do. Okay. It's not great. It's not bad. It, it's all right. So we go from Oakland to Anaheim and I, I'm kind of hanging out in the cage before the game. And Pablo comes up behind me and goes, Hey, your BP sucks. You need to get better. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, right. Oh, let's get better. Thanks, then. man. But no, it, it's definitely, um, it's a little stressful, you know, because these guys are trying to get ready for the game. You know, you want, yeah. you want to help them out. You want to throw strikes. And, you know, I, I think there's something about Oakland that, that's a bad luck for me because we were there last year and I was throwing BP. It was the last guy, Plowicki, last guy, one of the last pitches I threw. 
I didn't get all the way behind the L screen, cracked my rib. Oh, I mean, no. he smoked me in the ribs. Oh, damn. And like I said, it was almost over. BP was almost over. So someone, I, I mean, it took the breath out of me. And apparently the trainers are like, you're, you're turning white. We got to get you upstairs. It, it, yeah. So something about Oakland is obviously look at the yard, but something it's about a, it's Oakland. A non, it's not a real place. That's why I think that's something yeah. about that. And BP for me, doesn't mix, but no, it, it's fine. And the thing about it too, is it kind of breaks up the monotony of, of standing out in the outfield and shagging every day. You know, you get to go yeah. in and throw and kind of move and, and do something different. So I, I do, I do like throwing it. It's changes up the day. Jeez, Ploiecki got you. Damn. I know. That's, that's what crazy. I said. You can't have catcher on catcher crime. Like we're all one little family here. There's I only know. a couple of us on each team. And no, he felt really bad. Like he, he, he was shook up and I said, look, I'm fine. It obviously hurts, but I'm fine. I don't need to play tonight. I got the day off. Don't worry about it. But no, he's, he was cool about it. Uh, last one I got for you. It's the easiest question of all time. I know behind me, I got Griffey and, and Nomar. Uh, they're actually here. They're actually watching the interview, which is great. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm always curious to who you know people's favorite player was growing up. Like, who was the guy in baseball that you looked looked up to, and you're like, oh, I really want to be like that guy when I when I get older. Yeah, like you said, those guys. I mean, especially Griffey. I, I don't know who didn't yeah. emulate that swing in a wiffle ball field in their backyard at some point in their life. Um, you know, I always kind of gravitated towards the catchers. Um, obviously, Veritek, Mike Matheny was a huge guy. I like watching catch. Um, Craig Biggio was my guy though. He, he, mm -hmm. he was probably my favorite guy to watch the dirty helmet, the, the dirty bat, the Jersey was always dirty. I'd spit everywhere. And, <laughs> you know, but there were some guys on, on the giants when I was growing up, when my dad was working for them, you know, Matt Williams, Robbie Thompson, Kurt Manwaring, uh, will the thrill guys like that, that I kind of got to see their, their daily, get to know them a little bit. So those are kind of my guys. Um, but I would say, you know, Craig Biggio was probably my number one. Mike Brenly. So what's the official title again? I, I'm never messing this up again. What's the let's, new official let's title? Let's go staff assistant replay coordinator. Okay, that's that's easy. That's to the point. That's <laughs> to the point that but even even though it doesn't sum up the whole thing, because you do literally everything. You when when you're out there, you're doing all sorts of stuff. So the Red Sox are extremely lucky to have you. And hey, if if down the road you're doing manager stuff, let's just say that we called it here, right? Like we're we're gonna say that it started here. Then he became a manager, and that's going to be part of the story. I want to take a little credit here. You guys broke it. You The all first right. on the case. All right. That's that's all that really matters. Mike, thank you so much for doing this, and we'll see you at Fenway, man. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shout out to Mike Brenly for hopping on the podcast. That was a fun one. Really cool dude. The second that you asked that question, Joey, about like what would you want the next step to be, mm -hmm. you could kind of see it immediately in his face of like, yeah, I, you know, I want to be a manager. Like, I think mm -hmm. he really wants to be a manager down the road. I don't think mm -hmm. he was saying it as I'm curious to how you you thought he said it. I don't think he was saying it like, yeah, everybody wants to do that. I think he was saying it 
word for word like that. But I think what mm. he meant was like, yeah, I, I really want to. Really well, wanna. it's tough to put out there. You know, yeah, it's yeah, tough yeah. to put out yeah. there and say like, yeah, I want to do that because like there is there's a long line. There's a yeah. lot of guys who want to do it. I think he meant when he said that. It's like asking, I don't know, it's like asking your local mayor, like, hey, do you want to be the president? Like, well, yeah, I'm a politician, bro. So, yeah, I'd like to be the president one day. Yeah. But I'm not out here. Like, he's not starting a campaign tomorrow. You know, he's not like running tomorrow. When everyone was asking me in Little League, hey, do you want to play for the Red Sox? I was like, like yeah. well, obviously, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to. That, that would, would be, be great. great. But, yeah, you know, um, I was serious when I told him, dude, like, that would be the end of the line for me. I would be just fine with that. So if Mike, if you're listening, which I, I mean, I sure hope you are uh, when not if, when you become the Red Sox manager and you need a bullpen catcher and you're like, man, I don't know anybody who's suited for this. I, I just know nobody who would do it. You got your guy. And my price is like $11 a game. You don't, <laughs> you don't need to pay me much, dude. I'll be there. I mean, what a cool job. Like, Mm-hmm. bullpen catcher seems awesome and i know in, in, in talking to him before he's like yeah it is awesome like it's like you know when people mm-hmm. always have this need to be like oh it's it's a lot more than you think and he, he yeah, was like yeah. yeah like it's a really cool gig you know you're I, you're yeah. out there the whole game i i read an article uh i don't know i think the globe got a quote from a few years ago that like during the 2018 world series he kind of caught himself just watching the world series and they were like mm-hmm. brazier was like yo brendley like I, I gotta warm up like what are, what are we doing yeah. here so it's i could it would be I unreal would i mean we game. get that i'm i'm sure you get it i get it when people are like you have such a like that's a cool job and you get i i do the downplay thing like, oh yeah well, i know yeah it's cool it's cool when in reality you want to be like yeah dude it's sick yeah, it's, it's awesome sick. man yeah it is, got, it is yeah awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's I, we all I think we all have this like ingrained thing of needing it to seem like we do eight million things a day. And like mm-hmm. we all do a lot. You know, we all do a lot. And even with this show, like it's there's a lot of work, obviously, that goes into it. Now we're doing the thing. It is. No, I know. Yeah. But it. but I'm saying there was a but. It is really cool. There's no getting around it. Yeah. And that's it's all sick. I want to do. I just want to catch baseballs. I just want to catch baseballs. There's a lot of pressure when you're actually in a game. and You got to oh, I got to call this game and oh, I'm in like. What's the count? What are we going to do here? You got to kind of game manage. You got to go up, talk to your guys. Hey, yeah. get in the zone. Maybe don't throw more balls, Hirokazu. And, <laughs> Hirokazu, oh, <laughs> or whoever, or whoever, or whoever, you know, <laughs> maybe throw one over the plate, you know, yeah. um, and, and not have any of that. Not to have any of that. I hated hitting. I stunk at hitting. Yeah. I just want to catch baseballs. That sounds great. I'm talking myself and into it. I'm going to start shagging, training to be shagging flies and BP. I mean, that come sounds, on, that man. sounds. It also on. looks so much fun. Like I'll see mm-hmm. the guys out there, and it's always like a pitcher and like Brenly or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like Pavetta who started yesterday, and he's out there shooting the breeze with whoever's willing to listen, and and an ultimate chill mode. Mm-hmm. shag and flies i would i would love to be the shag fly guy that's not enough for a job though i don't think it might be i think well, ask well if it's part time i mean we're at, the, if we're at the park like if if the red sox have a part-time <laughs> ball shagger yeah so here's my plan here's what we do yeah next time we go to the park right credentials just go all. out there and just start getting see just if go else. out there bring a glove and just go out there they're gonna stop us yeah i mean it would it would be funny at the end of the day we, we just ruin our whole little little shtick here our whole gig it's like yeah, you know out, on the field it's been great it's like you know what screw it let's just run out there and try to catch some balls and see what happens it would be great content well. one time who would be, be the first person once. to be like what the hell are they doing the closest person 
I, it would just be whoever is the closest. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. It would probably, we probably be there, some of the PR folks we know of, like, what are, what are they doing? You, you obviously can't do the that. The second you cross the foul line, 10 people are going to be like, hey, 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 yeah. hey. It would be, it's a, it would be exactly that. It would be exactly, hey, hey, hey. You know? Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and the voice just gets higher each time. One thing we got to do in closing here, Joey, mm-hmm. is, and we mentioned this to Brenly, but anytime on Red Sox auctions a Brenly item goes up, we're getting it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, and just everybody, let us have it. We're having this Brenly collection. It's going to be great. And we're going to wear the jerseys to the park, and it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I got a I'm, spot on the wall right here that'd be perfect for a framed Brenly. Maybe right? signed. Dude, Maybe I'm trying signed. to get a frame. I'm trying to get a frame Brenly. I know I got last year, you know, Elaine and I are trying to get some more framed jerseys for the place. We got Paul mm-hmm. Pierce. So mm-hmm. that's a good one to start with. And he inscribed like 08 finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Trying to add on here. So a Brenly would be huge if we could get it. Yeah, maybe we know a guy. Maybe we can pull some strings. Yeah, should be able to pull some strings. But shout out to Mike Brenly. That was a fun interview. Next, you will hear from Joey and I. We'll be recapping this four-gamer against the Rangers, which has started off wonderfully. I yeah. can't believe they won that game. Like, what? Yeah, a couple of our buddies, Nate and Coop, I was talking to them yesterday, and they were like, oh, man, I, I can't believe I left early. I was like, I totally oh. can. I totally uh, can. You were down five going into the ninth. Who was like, here we go? Down they, down they, three going into the ninth. Down three going into the ninth. Down if five in the eighth. I, I, I just don't leave early anymore. I remember in whatever it was. I, I never really did leave early, but when was that? 08 ALCS game five. The Sox were down like seven nothing, I think. Mm-hmm. Seventh, eighth inning, something like that. And my buddy was like, hey, if they don't score in this inning, like, we're out of here. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but no. luckily they scored like three or four that inning and, and mm-hmm. stayed alive and then won that game. But, yeah, it's leaving early is just not it. If you ever – see, I understand. And I, the game you and I were at most recently, that pathetic Blue Jays game mm. that they stunningly lost. They were putting up like when the last train leaves because that that was the slowest game of all time. Like it was yeah. the slowest game before it reached extras. They were like last train leaves in like ten minutes. You're either you're either yeah. getting it or you're not. Hey, I that's the Sox that. saying, "Hey, if I was you, I'd just get out of here. I'd get out of here. This is going to end poorly." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's hey, lesson learned. And Nate Nate's a, Nate's a young he's a young kid. All right, he's got we we have years on him of going to these games. Lesson learned. From Listen, being down five in the eighth, I think I get it. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, if you want to get out of here, you got to catch a train. I understand. I just, I just never want to leave early because I always get that gut feeling of like they're gonna come back if I leave early. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and I mean it did. So I doubt yeah. they'll be leaving early anytime soon again. No more leaving early. But yeah, you will hear from Joey and I after this Rangers Sox series. But until then, for Joey Capone, I'm Steve Peralt. Go Sox, kid. Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer, mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. (laughs) 